Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey. Recorded live. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this hybrid episode of Political Straight Talk. I am your host and the preacher man, uh, <laughs> Fabian, the time. Hang on a second. I have to edit part of this. Of course, my son would call right as I'm in the middle of something. Yes, Alexander. Um, I highly doubt it, given that it's Wednesday night. Yeah. So how many is he trying to get? Well, cash and carry is all I'm going to tell you. Yep, cash and carry. All right. Well, I mean, you can go by there, but don't expect any miracles. No. He will, but he'll want credit. Seven. All right, I got to roll. All right, so we'll get back on to the topic. Let me start that over again. Welcome to this hybrid episode of Political Straight Talk. I'm your host and the preacher man on the same, Fabian. The time, 9.35 on the East Coast, 6.35 on the left coast. And tonight, yeah, we're going to have a little fun. As many of you know, I have went back and forth over politics, not politics, you know, what I should do here and there. And I make a decision and think, okay, well, I'm going to do this. Then I kind of lean the other way and I'm going to do that. And so throughout today and yesterday and a few days before, I've been kind of rolling everything in my mind, all the things going on and and where am I showing attention, where am I not showing attention. And the truth of the matter is that as I have often said, politics and religion are two different masters, and I can't serve them. My addiction to politics <laughs> leads me astray. So um, I'm not going to do political straight talk every Friday anymore. I'm going to do – I will do political straight talk for special occasions uh, with roundtables and uh, discussions whatnot. So as far as a – Every Friday thing, every week thing, I'm just not, I'm not going to do it because I'm called in a different direction, and that's the direction that I need to focus on. And having said that, that's part of the reason we're doing the call tonight. We're going to have a little bit of politics, but we're going to have a little bit of religion too because, well, frankly, I have felt compelled all day. So we're going to have a few discussions tonight, and I promise you if I get a little worked up, I apologize ahead of time. So, um, 
characteristically over on Deliverance by Grace, we open with a prayer, and then we're going to do the same here. And uh, may the Lord lead us where they may. Hopefully, the words will speak to somebody's heart, and maybe even my own. Who knows? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings that you've given us as Americans. We thank you for the blessings that you've given us as Christians, and we thank you for the blessings that we have as human beings. We ask, Lord, that you would lift this little motley crew up. We pray that your spirit would move amongst us. Pray that the words of the message that is forthcoming would reach out and touch those that you would have touch. And Father, we pray that you would put your divine hands over America and Israel and Great Britain. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us your protection. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Mm-hmm. All right. First thing we're going to discuss, because this is important, and it's a little off the topic, but we need to talk about forgiveness. And why do we need to talk about forgiveness? Well, because we're all human. Uh, more importantly, I'm human, and I mess up. Okay, I do dumb things that I don't think about. Or, you know, you may do dumb things that just don't cross your mind at the time or what effect it's going to have on other people. And so we as humans fail. For we all have sinned and fall short of the glory. And so when we're wronged or we wrong others, one of the things that that we often do is hold a grudge. Well, I can't believe that person's upset with me, or I can't believe that this person won't hear me out, or I can't believe that this person this or that person that, when the truth is they're just as hurt as you are. And so... What does the Bible tell us to do about forgiveness? The hardest thing that we are commanded to do is to forgive our neighbor, to forgive those that have wronged us. How many times are we to forgive them? Well, the Bible says 70 times 70, but that's just to begin. So how do you handle forgiveness, and how do you handle those things? And the truth is that if we choose not to forgive others when they do against us, we're in violation of God's law. We're in violation of God's commandments. Agree? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. When we choose to hold in the rage, the hate, the pain, the anger that comes with whatever the slight was, whether we've committed the slight and we're angry at them for not forgiving us, or we have been slighted, forgiveness is the most powerful tool on this earth. For when God the Father sent his Son to stretch out on the cross and to have a crown of thorns mashed upon his head and a spear put through his side and the nails as they are hammered into his hands, if he can send him to forgive us, we can forgive others. And if we don't, we're going to be bitter. We're going to be angry. And the only people that we're hurting are ourselves. Now, many of you, if you tune into regular Bible studies, know that I, I'm like an angel, always harping on this particular topic. Okay, Sometimes I harp on it because I'm the one that needs forgiveness, and I want that person to hear it. <laughs> Other times, and the truth is, that I need to forgive. And it's not easy. It is not easy. 
to forgive an ex who may have done you wrong. It's not easy to forgive a child who may have forsaken you. It's not easy to forgive a coworker for going behind your back and telling these stories. It may not be easy to forgive those that have hurt you. But if Jesus Christ can die on the cross so that we can be forgiven, what is greater than our own sin to not forgive? All right, that ends my discussion on (laughs) forgiveness. So now we're going to move into the next topic, and we're going to talk about America, one of my favorite topics. Okay? And it's one of my favorite topics because God truly blessed America to be the modern-day Canaan land. He put here things that are nowhere else on this planet. If you're driving down a road in East Tennessee and you're on the Blue Ridge Parkway or in the Smoky Mountains or on the Appalachian Trail, there's nowhere on this earth that looks like that. There is nowhere on earth that looks like the Rocky Mountains. There is nowhere on earth that looks like Los Angeles, but we don't really want to look like Los Angeles. (laughs) My point is that there are a lot of unique things in America. And when those 59 men got together in 1776 and they put their signature to a document that says, hey, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. God bless those 59 men. He put his hand of protection over those 59 men, and he said, you know what? I'm going to have your back, and I'm going to send the French to have your back so that when you go up against the imperialist King George and the Britain army, that if God be for you, then who can be against you? Amen. And so as we fought this civil... As we fought this revolutionary war and we we moved through, we created a document, a document called the United States Constitution. And in the United States Constitution, we are given a Bill of Rights, that these are given to us endowed by our Creator. Anybody remember that, endowed by our Creator? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. And we are handled we are handed ten things. Does the number ten sound familiar? Ten commandments. Yep. We are given ten freedoms that this document defines out as these are God given rights. Some of them we may not like. Freedom of the press, we don't like that sometimes. Freedom of expression, we don't like that sometimes. Freedom of and from religion. We don't like that sometimes. The right to bear arms. Some people don't like that sometimes. With unalienable rights comes unalienable responsibilities as a Christian body. And as a church, we have certain obligations. And that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. Many of you have heard me talk as as a political person that you know, church and state and this and that, and and you've heard me go and and defend certain practices that in the pulpit I couldn't necessarily defend. Well, I'm not going to play the middle of the fence anymore. So let me tell you about it. 
first and foremost, <laughs> when a nation moves from a free nation to a communist or socialist nation, eight things have to happen. Five things in the United States have already happened. Okay? Now, I don't remember all eight. I'll list off the ones that I remember. Number one, first and foremost, health care. When the government controls health care, they control the people. Health care in this country is 20% of the GDP, and now the federal government controls it. Number two, you control education. We have one central body in this country that is educating our children, that are feeding their minds full of mush. <laughs> Common Core, in whatever name it is, is, as, as I hate to use a movie reference, but of the devil. The responsibility to educate our children does not lie in the schoolhouse. The responsibility to educate our children does not lie in the White House, does not lie in the State House, does not lie in Congress, doesn't lie anywhere else except for your doorstep if you have children. A woman, a woman, or a mother more specifically, is given a responsibility. And that responsibility is to what? What is a mother's two primary functions as a parent? Children. One, to nurture. Children. A mother's responsibility is to nurture. And to do what, Tammy? What's the second one? I know you're not watching my PD. I am muted. I'm muted. My PD is not on tonight. Uh, And to educate. That's exactly right. To nurture and to educate. And when a family gives up that right and that responsibility, they are in violation of this little book right here where God commands that the family, that the mother be responsible for the education and the nurturing of a child. Now, I've heard the arguments, and I've heard them on this call, that, well, two parents have to work, or I'm a single parent, or I'm a this, or I'm a that. Maybe. But my suggestion would be to get out this book, get on your knees, and ask God to show you what to do. Some people are able to solve the problem. They send their child to private school. Well, they don't have to deal with the government common core. Some people pull their children out and they homeschool through a co-op. There are always options, and it's easy to come up with an excuse. For example, one of the biggest excuses that I used to hear when I pastored a church was, Preacher, you know, it's just too early for me to get up on a Sunday. I've got to work every other day of the week, and and I've got to get up, and, and man, am I tired. Those are the same people that I saw up at 3 o'clock in the morning on Black Friday standing in a line at Walmart. Oh, yeah. So if you can get up and stand in a line in Walmart, you can stop coming up with excuses, get on your knees, and say, God, I am a sinner. God, I don't know what to do. Show me the way. And sooner or later, he's going to send somebody your way that says, you know what? Stop whining. Stop complaining. Here is your answer. So instead of waiting on the government to take care of your education, waiting on the government to solve your problems, waiting on everybody else to solve your problems, you have a problem solver right there in that book. You have a problem solver in both of your knees. Get on them. Turn off the TV and get on your knees. The third thing that when a government takes over, 
They get control of you, and it's another step into socialism, welfare. Now, everybody here, everybody listening has a story about welfare, a positive one and a negative one. So don't get me wrong when I tell you that welfare, when when you know you hear people talk about welfare, listen, I have no problem with people that truly need assistance because blessed are the poor. Okay. In the Beatitudes, what does it say? As I recall, it says, "Blessed are the poor, for they shall what?" Inherit. Inherit the earth. That's exactly right. For they shall inherit the earth. But the Bible says that if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. He doesn't eat. If a man or woman, in the case as it may be, is too lazy to get up off of their keister and go do whatever. They don't deserve to be waited on hand and foot. Did you hear the president today talking about welfare, welfare entitlement? Re- I didn't. You didn't? I didn't. If he said you have, today, I'm assuming he's going to go after him. Yeah, he said today uh, they were going to go uh, for um, they were going to reform welfare, and he said that there were people out there that were sitting on their Asses doing nothing. He and and I quoted uh, doing nothing, doing a lot better off than people that are working two or three jobs, and that's not right. It was a great speech. It was when, a phenomenal speech about wreck the car. When when you have welfare, and churches have churches are are guilty of this too. Okay. Welfare. Welfare was created and intended to be a temporary supplement to issues ongoing. However, it's become a permanent solution Mm -hmm. to people's problems. When you have to depend on the government for your house, your food, your lots, your water, your car, your gas, and anything else that you get, and you call yourself a Christian, you better get in front of the mirror, sister. If you take a handout and you make no effort to move, you are a sloth. Does anybody know what sloth is? Because mm-hmm. I can tell you. I can tell you. And I'm going to tell you right now that the people that sit around on food stamps and welfare and government assistance, and take their butts and sit in a pew in church and pretend like all is honky-dory. No, it's not. God's not happy with you. It is not pleasing in God's eye for you to be lazy. It is not pleasing in God's eye for you to sit around and watch the young and the restless and collect a welfare check because you think you're too fat to go to work. He doesn't find it appealing that you sit around and draw a check because you get too drunk to go to work. Shall we talk about drunkenness? and what happens when it's in excess and what the Bible says about that, because that's two strikes against you. The truth of the matter is that the church has become just as complacent with all of this stuff as all of these government agencies. And it's time for the church to stand up, to rise up, to speak up, and to act up. 
And until the church chooses to rise up, speak up, act up, nothing's going to change. And you start in the pews. I've often said that you start at home. But I'm going to change that, and I'm going to say that you start in the church house. You start by calling a spade a spade. There's plenty of those out there. Let's talk about the churches that want to put people that think they're women when they're really men in positions of leadership. If you do that, God will forget that church. Let's talk about churches that have a homosexual behind the pulpit. You are an abomination unto God, according to Second Timothy chapter 3, and you, sir, are not pleasing to God. Your church will falter. I will not follow you. I told you all I was on a roll there. I've seen that play out before my eyes with Stan Mitchell. Yep, I'm aware. I will tell you that any denomination, whether it be the Methodists, whether it be the Pentecostals, whether it be any branch, if you instill a homosexual anywhere in your ranks, you will not be blessed. You will be like the fig, wither up and die. So let's talk about homosexuality since we're going that direction. Most of y'all knew I was heading there anyway. Today I saw a story where this couple has, uh, they, they got married in a in a Christian church and, and uh, they are pastor and co-pastor of a new church. Now, the majority of the people that attend this church are of the same lifestyle they are, and they're claiming that God is really blessing them. And I'm going to tell you, God is not blessing you. God will not bless you if you condone that behavior. God will not bless you if you do not call that behavior what it is. You can love your neighbor. You can treat your neighbor with respect, but you can tell them that it wasn't supposed to be Adam and Steve. It's Adam and Eve. You have an obligation to stand up and say, this is wrong. To Chelsea Manning, everybody should say, this is wrong. If God had wanted you to be a female, he would have given you a vagina, ovaries, and a womb. To Chaz Bono, if God had wanted you to have a penis, he would have sewed one on for you. And everybody's so afraid to say anything because they're afraid that, oh, they're going to be labeled a bigot or a racist or a homophobe or this or that. I'll tell you what, I've come to the conclusion today that I'd be re- I'd rather be labeled those here on earth than to have to stand before God and him ask me, son, I gave you the education to be a preacher. Why didn't you stand up for me? Do you want to have to stand in front of him and say, <laughs> you know, God, I'm sorry, it wasn't politically correct? Because if you do, you got more gonads than I do. Number four, another way that, well, let's go back to welfare because I'm not done on that topic yet. I hear people say, and and, and I've heard it in our own group, I've I've heard people say, you know, uh, we want, everybody comes up with ten reasons why, Welfare is bad, but the welfare that assists me is good. No, we shouldn't paint a brush over everybody 
that's a true statement. Okay? I agree with that 110%. But I am going to tell you that when we as a nation allow our resources and our treasures to go to slothiness, but we won't put anything in God's storehouse, that nation is bound for demise. Think about that. For we are commanded to be good stewards of the wealth in which God has given us. If you look at this nation, this nation has unlimited wealth. Unlimited. Starting to dry up, though, isn't it? You want to know why it's starting to dry up? Because we've not been good stewards with our money. Not as a government and not as a people. How many people in this country do you think went out on Black Friday and spent what limited resources they had knowing that they owe a water bill and a light bill? Why a few. We have a city in Nashville that wants to, well, the city of Nashville, wants to put in a transit system for $5 billion. Is that a good steward of the $5 billion? Especially when it's not going to pay for itself? No. We have people and we have things that have to be taken care of, and we are not being good stewards. Blessed are the poor, for they shall inherit the earth. Number four, of the eight things that have to happen before a country becomes a socialist nation, number four is they get control of assets. Okay? So you think about that, and let's think about this, okay? What does the government control? They control mining rights. They control mineral rights. If you don't know this, you may own property in this country, but you don't own the mineral rights. You own property in this country, but you really don't own it. Anybody that's a property owner can attest to that. When you pay your taxes, why should you have to pay taxes on a property that you bought and paid for? It's yours. In some states, they charge you what's called a value-added tax. You buy a car, you have to pay taxes on the value of that car every year that you own it. But you paid for the car, so why should you have to pay a value-added tax? Because they get control of all the assets in this country. And why do they have control of the assets? I can tell you why. One word, children. Any major tax that's ever been passed on a state level has always been passed with the guise of the children. The truth of the matter is that it's never about the children. The lotteries, the children. Wheel taxes, the children. State income taxes, the children. No, it's not about the children. It's about the government taking more and more from you. And the truth of the matter is that, again, the church has remained incredibly silent on this issue. The church has not risen up and said, you know what? Look what Caesar did. What got the Romans in trouble? What got Nebuchadnezzar in trouble? What got Pharaoh in trouble? The very thing that the United States is doing now. And the church has remained very silent. 
yell out at the top of your lungs to give God what is God's, give the country or the state what is the state's, and then use the rest as a good steward. Number five, the way that a country gets control of you before they become communist or socialist, they riddle you in debt. When the United States borrows money, okay, what does the Bible say about borrowing? The Bible says, neither a lender nor borrower be. And Dave Ramsey says that if you can't pay cash, don't pay it. That is one of the hardest lessons to learn. I still have yet to learn it. I'm working on it, though. But the truth is that each person in this country that has been born or will be born is considered a man hour. And the way that the United States borrows money is to determine how many labor hours or man hours each individual in this country is worth, and that's what our credit limit is. Bet you most people didn't know that. No. It's I called the time it's called the time labor uh equation. Again, the church has remained relatively silent, even though that the Bible here is very clear on how to handle financial matters like this. So if we truly had people in positions of authority that were God fearing, Bible fearing individuals, would we have these troubles? No. But yet we choose not to elect those people. We're going to get to that one, too. Now, as I said earlier, we've met five of the criteria. There are three more that we have not met. And the only one that I'm going to talk about right now is the Second Amendment. The right and obligation of a free people to protect themselves. How did Hitler get Germany? He got the guns. How did Hitler get the Jews? He got the guns. How did uh, Stalin get them? They got the guns. They couldn't defend themselves. Now, what does the Bible say about defending ourselves? I have heard so many people say, thou shalt not kill. Well, I got news for you. The Bible doesn't say one word about not killing. And anybody who wants to argue that point with me, we'll whip out Hebrew. And I'm going to tell you what it says. It says in Exodus chapter 20, thou shalt not murder. I'm going to got news for you right now. If somebody threatens me or my murder family. self-defense. If somebody threatens me or my family, I got news for you. I will pull that 9 millimeter out, and they're going to get to meet the maker. And that's the bottom line. Because we have a responsibility and an obligation to protect our family. And why and earlier we talked about... What women were designed to do. Now we're going to talk about what men are designed to do. Men are designed to do two things. Three things, actually. Provide, <coughs> protect, and defend. You forgot procreate. Really? I'm not even going there. <laughs> I mean, so, but is it in the commandments that it says, Thou shalt not kill? No. That was the translation that King George used. When or King James used. However, the original Hebrew translation, it when it's translated into English, is murder. And there is a difference okay. between killing and murdering. Okay. Yeah, I do. Yeah. You have the authority to kill if necessary. You do not. You do not have the authority to murder. 
Well, God gave man the, the knowledge to make weapons to protect their family from the get-go and, and to, to kill so they could eat. He did, and that's the responsibility part. So let's move into, and I told you all tonight was going to be interesting, okay? So let's let's move into the next part, and let's get into some social stuff, okay? Because, again, I've remained quiet too long on this, and so it's time for me to stand up and say something. Number one, murder is murder is murder. Doesn't matter the reason, doesn't matter why. Okay? And I know a lot of people disagree with me on this, and that's okay. You have the right to be wrong. But abortion is never an answer. If you abort a child, you are a murderer. Yep. If you are the doctor that did it, you're a murderer. If you are the nurse that did it, you are a murderer. If you are the orderly that gave the pill, you are a murderer. If you are the person that funds the clinic, you are a murderer. If you elected the person that's in office that approved that procedure, you are a murderer. Pure and simple. There is no debate. There is no what if this. There is no what if that. If you terminate a pregnancy, you are a murderer, a killer, a turn away from God's word. Pure and simple. And you and every person around you that was responsible for the death of that baby will answer someday at judgment. Make no mistake, even if you are bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, you will get asked. Because I hear people say, well, when God forgives you, he forgets. Yes, he does. But what happens after you're forgiven? You're going to get questions. Especially when you choose not well, to witness. Well, you mean you're free from your consequences. He does forgive, but that doesn't mean that you're free of consequences. And that's true. Which goes back to what we were talking about earlier, and forgiveness, and one of the hardest things to do. So, then we come into the next topic. We've already hit on homosexuality. So, I'm going to go into the next one. Okay? And this one's going to be tough for a lot of people, because it is... it. it reaches out there. Okay? And it's in regards to abortion. What if you have you have to go to the hospital and have a miscarriage and the hospital lists it as an abortion, but you know that it isn't and God knows it isn't. Then you've answered your own question. Okay. Did you knowingly and willfully terminate that pregnancy? Baby was dead, had been dead for two weeks inside of me. Then before there's I, your, then there's that's your technically answer. a DNC. That's technically it, a DNC. I know yes. it's a DNC, but the hospital but, it on the papers, on the insurance papers, as an abortion. They will because a DNC, a DNC is an abortion. It's billing. Anyway, and this issue right now, my sister is going through an issue where they're trying to get her to abort. So it's, a, it's an issue. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's her call, but she's she's pro-life. I mean, I've already told her my feelings on it, and she's pro-life. So, you know, I don't foresee that happening. All right, so let's let's roll into the latter part of this and, and come around to we have <laughs> – Here's the here's the gist of it. If you want America to survive and to move forward into 2018, 2019, 2020, there are things that we have to do. 
as a church, as a people, number one, first and foremost, we have a responsibility to hold people accountable. Okay, we have to start by holding each other accountable. Okay, earlier today, as as many of you know, I do. I get a lot of things on my mind. I do things, and things to me that don't seem important to others are very, very important. And I was forced to sit down and think this afternoon. Okay, here are some actions that I did. Um, and to be honest, I didn't think of them at the time as being any issue. As a matter of fact, on a couple of them, I don't even, to be honest, I, obviously I did it, but I don't know why. And so I had to sit down and think about it and realize that I have to look at the way other people perceive things. You know, it's it's like sociology is the perception of others perceiving me, which is what sociology is. <laughs> It's the perception of others that perceive me. And that comes around to, you know, we're human and we all fall and falter and forgiveness comes into play there. But also some responsibility comes into play there. And the responsibility comes when you do something or know that you have done something that has wronged somebody or hurt somebody. It is your responsibility to make sure that never happens again. And in America... We have an issue going on right now where we're not holding anybody accountable. We've got people in Congress, our leaders, that are groping women, that are molesting young boys, that are doing these things. We have a responsibility to kick them out. We have a responsibility. And I'm not talking – and tonight, guys, this is all about the church. This has nothing to do outside the church. But I'm going to tell you – that there is enough members of the church body in this country that if we would all rise up and do what we were supposed to do, we could kick those people out. We've got enough people in the church that if they would grow a spine, that we could change the entire nature of this country. We have enough people in the church that if they would have the courage to talk to their neighbor, we could make a difference. And we wouldn't have the leaders that we have today. And God commands us to rise up, the men especially. And I will be the first to tell you that from the day that I got my minister's license and I graduated seminary, which, by the way, wasn't the same day I actually had my minister's license prior to graduating seminary, but you have a responsibility. And the truth is I failed in that responsibility. I failed for years in that responsibility. I failed because I felt that politics was more important and that if I revealed that I was a Christian, people would treat me differently. And if I revealed that I would stand in the pulpit and speak at the top of my lungs what you would be speaking out against, people would look at me differently. Well, as days go by, I have to admit one of the greatest things has been being held accountable by the boss lady for this. She has moved, uh, you just, y'all have no idea. And with each day that goes by, I'm reminded more and more that God puts certain things in certain places to, you know, your his will is to be done. We're all going to falter and we're all going to fail. 
But the truth of the matter is, I've had people say, well, why are you going away from politics? Well, that's easy. Because even doing a weekly show is serving two masters. And I'm just not going to do it. I also need to free up time for things that are important. Um, Neither of which I've done. So, as a church in America, if we want America to survive, 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, For in the last days, so shall it be as it was in the days of Noah. For men shall be lovers of men. Now, a lot of people will tell you that that means gay. It doesn't. Okay? Gay is referred to two times in the Bible. Once in 2 Timothy chapter 3 where it says, Without natural affection, meaning the affection between a man and a woman. And in Ecclesiastes, where it says, if a man lies with another man, it's with a woman, it is an abomination unto God. Mm, there's a reference in Kings, too, isn't there? there? It depends on how you take it. The actual translation doesn't doesn't deal with homosexuality, though. I've heard some preachers use that, but it's not, it, it's not referencing homosexuality. So you've got... We have to stand up, and the more and more I watch this country and the more and more I watch people, I realize that it starts, yes, it starts at home. It does start at home. I will never shy from that. But more importantly, it starts in the church house, and it starts with the church leaders, and it starts with the preachers and the teachers. And until the preachers and the teachers are willing to stand up and say, hey, enough is enough. Hey. You have certain responsibilities. Hey, you have certain obligations. Hey, turn off the TV and get on your knees and pray. Turn off the TV and open up the Bible. At night, one of the Satan will get you by by not reading the Bible. And the boss lady and I, for the longest time, read the Bible. And then she would get tired, I would get tired, and we got away from that. And I realized yesterday that those little things like that is what strengthens you. Mm-hmm. Those little things about, hey, send a Bible verse a day. There are people out there that, that don't know what's in this Bible. I happen to know what's in it. It's my responsibility to make sure that others do. And each of you should, too. How many of you today said to somebody, you know what, Jesus loves you? Yeah. How many say on their, uh, you know, Facebook's kind of a catch-22 because I see people share this post and God will bless you with, you know, blah, 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 or click like on this and blah, blah, blah. Ain't nothing about that. Ain't about that. How many people look on a Facebook page? How hard is it to take five minutes and write a post that says, you know what? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And post that. You never know who's watching, who's reading. We all should be doing that and be a representative to Christ. That's the whole church. When I say us, I mean the whole church. If we want to protect America and put God in America, we have to put God in our house. And as sad as it sounds, we've got to put God in the church. And until God comes back in the church, not a lot we're going to do. Do you know that preachers are so afraid to preach about salvation 
and baptism because people will get mad. I've been in churches where I was surprised they called themselves a church, much like uh, Lakewood Church in Texas. In closing for this go-round, remember this. We've all been called to be stewards of Christ's word. The United States is the land of Canaan, but we are about to become the land of Nineveh, the land of Judah, the land of Israel. Anybody know what happened to all those lands? They were destroyed. Well, Nineveh wasn't. It was about to be. But they reached they reached the judgment of God. And until the church rises up and the church stands up and the church acts up, it's going to remain the same. And I encourage everybody to take a few minutes and forget about politics and to remember to invite somebody else to salvation. Maybe a little message, maybe a phone call. Also remember that if God had chosen to forgive us and he sent his son on the cross, that we have an obligation to forgive others. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings that you bestowed upon us. We thank you for our families. We thank you for our church families. We thank you for our friends and neighbors. We ask, Lord, that if there's anybody out there that doesn't know you, you would speak to their hearts and let us be a witness to them. Help us each to remember that we should take your word and put it as a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And may you continue to bless the United States of America. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this hybrid episode of Political Straight Talk. Um we will try to post two or three days out when we're going to do a special edition of Political Straight Talk. Um, usually we'll do one if uh, special elections or things like that. Something going on that merits a roundtable discussion. Otherwise, we'll no longer be doing our weekly uh, Friday night episodes. Um also, Bible studies are going to move to a different day. We'll try to get that hashed out and figure out what day those are going to be. Remember, you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Freedom isn't free. Remember to thank a soldier for without them. We wouldn't be able to do what we do. Thank a family member of a soldier for without them. We wouldn't have an all-volunteer army. May God continue to bless each and every one of you, and may God bless the United States of America. This is the Political Superman saying, have a good night, everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.